2: Good afternoon, everyone. Glad to have you with us alongside Seth Goldberg. I'm Stephen Fonte. It's a Tuesday edition of Orange Nation. 315-437-7644 is the number. If you'd like to get involved, you can also text us at 315-288-0644. We'll hear from assistant coach Jerry McNamara in about a half hour from now. Other than that, uh, phone lines are open. And uh, for those of us watching on Facebook Live, y- you'll notice that we have a a third member of our show today. No, they won't. Oh no, they won't because he's not on camera. <laughs> Salmanin is here in studio.
1: Oh, this feels weird. Did, did you purposely good.
2: did you purposely sit off camera so people couldn't see you?
1: No, I sat where I always sat when I used to be here. You know, carrying you, my my carrying back, me, my back would be hurting after all those years. I had to come back, Seth. I'm just going to put it out there. You've not been doing a good job. <laughs> yeah. I realize that the deck is stacked against you having to work with this man every day. <laughs> and it takes a while to get used to. So you you would not around Channel 9 for all the years I were was. You had so much so, more
0: experience. Exactly.
1: So that's why I'm coming in to try to help you out, to do you a favor. Because I realize just having to, to lug the talentless... Steve and Fonte around for two hours every day. I realize it's tough, so this is is my belated Hanukkah gift to you.
0: Steve is already regretting the decision to ask Sal to come in. (laughs) I I am regretting regretting
1: the decision. If I had known you were going to do this,
2: I wouldn't have bought you breakfast, Sal. Um, he did, by the way, Seth. He did get up early to meet me for wow. breakfast yeah, today. I mean, it was, it was a late breakfast by most standards. We we met at ten, but for Sal,
1: that's and keep in, mo- keep
2: in mind, he's on Central. He's time. on
1: Central time, so it's nine exactly. o'clock for him. And I had to get up at eight o'clock. That means Central time. Like right. I actually like bathed and wore like real people clothes. I didn't it's just early. roll out of bed like I used to. And as we were
2: driving over here, I bought him breakfast. I said, Hey, you know, I'm buying you breakfast. What do you say? Come on the radio for a little while. I twisted his arm. He decides to come on.
1: He and is- Lying right now. Stop lying to the good people of central New York. He was on the floor of the diner begging, saying, I have nothing. I did not prepare anything for this show. I don't know how I'm going to get through it.
2: We need Sal. If that makes you feel better, uh, we're driving over here, Seth, and he goes, you know, and it was whatever twenty minutes before the show, half hour before the show, and he goes, "I'm not used to walking in that early." And I was like, "No, that, that's I su- true."
0: I was surprised when when he was here. I was like, "Oh, I've, you're here at 11:45. It's you, early."
2: You normally sit down like as the open is playing. That's yeah. that's when Sal uh, well, sits down.
0: I made the I made the joke to Sal right before you walked in, but I I hit the 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 update music. And and you were like just opening the door and I was like, Oh, this is normally Rolls Reverse. You're Steve's normally here sitting down waiting for the show to start. Sal would walk in at like eleven fifty nine fifty. See and, and things would go.
1: This is what happens when I leave, Seth. All of a sudden when he knows that there's somebody who's going to be in there, he tries to take it easy. If, if you weren't here ready to do your update, being a smart, responsible broadcaster, I don't know what would have happened. See, I've worked on changing
2: Sal over the years, and I feel like I've done a good job. He's become an adult. He gets up early for breakfast. He shows up. He bathes himself. He's ready to rock and roll today. I, th- I feel like my, my work here is done. Um, all right. So Sal's going to sit in on the show for, I don't know, a few segments. He's got nothing to do. Um, so he said, I have many important <laughs> things to do. I'm a man no, about town. Just,
0: no, he just came here to hang out with us on the radio, obviously. Yes. That's the only reason reason he's in Central Flew New Flew up from
2: Texas. You can do this from time to time if you'd like. The door is always open. So as long as you're here, and as long as we have this sports talk radio show that we do for two hours, let's talk some sports. Why don't you bring uh, the fine people of Syracuse up to date on on what's going on in the life of Sal Manim before we get into other topics? I don't think they want to hear that, so but just, sure. get,
1: just make it quick. Yeah, so uh, I'm a high school lacrosse coach slash uh, TV sports producer for NBC down in Houston. So uh, covering a lot of NBA, NHL, or not NHL, NBA, NFL, and MLB these days don't get to watch as much Syracuse basketball as I used to or would like to. Did you see Saturday's game? I got to watch, okay, so I don't know if you guys have heard, high school football's kind of a thing in Texas where I'm from.
0: Heard that story once or twice. So
1: I'm on the sidelines at the University of Houston Stadium covering, they're still playing high school football even in the middle of December down there. Covering a playoff game, and it's freezing by Houston standards. It must have been like 40, but we're all on there shivering. balmy, Yeah, losing our minds on, on the sidelines. And I have my phone in my hand as I'm supposed to be watching and filming what's going on on the field, watching the, the epic comeback. And sure enough, the game that I happen to be covering goes down to like the final minutes and I have to decide do I shoot what would be the decisive touchdown in this game that that is my job like that is what I am paid to do is to go cover this game get highlights and be able to report on it on television or should I watch Tyus Battle Clearly, luckily Tyus. luckily the other team took a timeout right before Tyus Battle came out and pulled off some heroics Were you watching Tyus Battle either way uh, i'm gonna I'm not gonna say just uh on the, the like one percent chance that my current employer finds out about this. Uh, uh, I'm not going to say what I would have done if uh, that timeout had not been taken. Maybe my work is not done. <laughs> but shout out, <laughs> shout out to the coaching staff at Shadow Creek High School for taking some time to that's think a, it over. That's a big timeout. <laughs> that was a huge timeout. All right.
2: So with that being said, uh, Tyus Battle steps up and, and hits yet another game-winning shot, and and you were here for many of them, Sal, uh, working at, at Channel Nine. Uh, you know the Clemson one comes to mind from from his freshman year, certainly. And he had a, a bunch of them last year, a bunch of big shots. Uh, during the NCAA tournament, you know already this year he's hit a, hit a bunch of big shots down the stretch. You know helped him win the Ohio State game. Obviously, uh, wins the the Georgetown game uh, by himself. Scored um, what seventeen points after halftime. Twenty one. Twenty. Oh right, that's right. He finished with twenty six. Um, I was thinking he finished with twenty two. You're right, Seth. Finished with twenty six points. Um, he was he was phenomenal. So it prompted afterwards uh, Jim Boeheim to uh, to say this. He made four or five at least last year, maybe more. Uh, obviously, his freshman year, he made a pretty good one at Clemson. But he's made a lot of big shots, probably as much or more uh, anybody we've ever had here in late-game situations. I, w- I would say he's right there. And, you, you know, you hear that, and you're like, okay, is that an overreaction? And then you start thinking about all the players that have come through the program and all the big shots that Tyus Battles hit, and yeah, he's— the kids, the kids, clutch, and I, I think he is one of the, the the clutchest. Is that a word? The clutchest player clutch. most clutch. I don't know how you would say it. Uh, wh- you one would of, say most clutch. You would say most clutch. I just said clutchest. That's I not. I think right. that's a word. Aren't you?
1: Aren't you still an instructor at I one am. of the the finest communication schools of the country? I prefaced it by saying it, it might not be a it, word.
0: Is clutch kind of like fun? It's not funner and funnest. It's it's. Most fun and more fun? More clutch and most clutch? Anyway, you understand my point,
2: (laughs) is that he is very clutch. Um, And then you you think about, okay, who who else in Syracuse history comes to mind when you think of the most clutch players in program history? For me, obviously Jerry comes to mind. He's overrated. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Careful what you say, we're going to talk to him in 20 minutes. He might be listening. Uh, He might be listening. Jerry, certainly. Uh, Pearl, certainly. Um, I think John Wallace probably makes the list. Um, You know, that NCAA tournament run comes to mind. Outside of those four... Darrell Watkins? No.
1: Outside of those four, who else comes to mind? I mean, if we're just going... I'm just trying to go recent memory, because obviously I don't disagree with anything you said, and especially you think back to those amazing games at the heyday of the Big East in the 80s and early 90s. You know, you hit everyone on the head, but more recently i see do you have to have been with the program like obviously this is battle's third year so do you have to have been here for an extended amount of time or can it just be you know in the situation given the moment because i mean what bigger stage is there than Mello is obviously huge in that run to the ncaa it's a great question tournament i thought you were going to
0: bring up john gillen who's a graduate of Straight Jesuit yeah, how, College yes.
1: Preparatory. Yes. Uh, no, no, I was not going to go there. But sure, I was thinking though. Obviously, Mello wins him the title. But that whole tournament run, you know, he was unbelievable. What was it? the The game where they had the crazy comeback in the was that the Oki State game in the year they won the title? Manhattan. Was that that? that well, I remember one of the early rounds they had to come back from down. Weren't they? Or it was a close game or something? Or Oklahoma? They had,
2: they had the one game where they had. You're right. They had to press and they had to come from behind to to win it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know
1: if I don't know if Melo's in the conversation or not because he was only here for one year. But then what about Malachi in that Virginia game that basically single handedly sent them to another Final Four? I mean, that, I realize that, that's just one game, but a, what bigger stage is there than the NCAA tournament and those guys on the biggest stage, just like Jerry come through in the clutch. Uh, that has to mean something even though it was only they were only here for a small amount of time. Well, I don't know. What do you think, Seth? I would do you, I mean, do you put Melo on the list? Sure. I mean, I
0: I think by pure volume you're putting plenty of people ahead of him, but that's because he was only here for 1 year. You know, you're you're probably putting Jerry and Tyus and Pearl ahead of Melo just by sheer volume of yeah, things. But it, you know, obviously, obviously Mello was a hugely important figure and won them a lot of games and won them the national and all that stuff. And and that's fantastic. And, and you remember all of that. But at the same time, uh, I mean, how many games did Jerry McNamara win them? You know, even the championship game. I mean, he goes out and he puts in 18 in the first half. Like, how many games did Jerry McNamara win for them? How many games did Pearl Washington win for this program? How many games has Tyus Battle won for Yeah, this but if, if we're
1: defining clutch is just something that you kind of have or you don't, you know, you don't need that many games, I guess, to, to show you got it. Yeah, Melo was only here for the one season. Malachi was only here for the two seasons right? was Malachi was one and done or two and done the, one, already one and one and, done, one and done one and done see I've just been but I
0: but I think that when you're talking about it in this context of, of most clutch players for a program you've got to talk about length and quality and and number uh, not quality quantity numbers um you know number of big shots big moments big games and and could you have that all in one season? Of course you could. Of course you could have you could have one season where you hit seven buzzer beaters and you yeah. win a national championship, and you know, and and everything is just going right, and you're like, yeah, that guy is incredibly clutch. That guy, you know, that that's the guy that you need with the ball in their hands at the end of the game, and he's making the shot every single time. Let's, or you can have Tyus battle of Pearl Washington or or Jerry McNamara, who have done this over three four years.
1: Let's do then the the Mount Rushmore because I I think it's fairly easy to say that. Jerry's definitely on there, regardless of, of where we're putting him, one, two, three, or four. But he's definitely on the Mount Rushmore of Q's Clutch. I think we can all agree uh, about that. So then who else Who else makes that list?
0: I think who, I think Jerry, Pearl, and Tyus are the three that I would see, go to and first. See, Tyus
1: is already, is and already yes. there. And I
0: think he's right. Yes. And, and those that, are the three
1: that,
2: that I go my, to immediately. That was my point of bringing this up, is that... I think Tyus is on that list. Like, he's certainly, you know, it's Tuesday. We, you know, Sal, you and I always used to do top five Tuesday. Like, he's definitely in the top five, at least for me, unless, unless like I'm forgetting someone. I guess that's, that's the point is I, I think, right. I think he's, he's at least third in the conversation. I mean, and, and I, I think John Wallace, too. But, again, John Wallace is another guy who was here for an extended and period And, see, this of time. is where I
1: we're going to have to defer to you because you are I the resident old Wallace. person, Steve. And, yeah, I, I did not watch, uh, especially growing up in Texas, I didn't get to see too much regular season Cuse Hoops uh, in the 90s and early 2000s. So this is where we're going to take your word for it. But I, I think that Jerry and Pearl are definitely there. But even just the last two and a half, not even half years— I think you may be right. I think I'm gonna af- actually, not even on the air. What, 15 minutes, and I have to agree Are with Stephen Fonti. You recording recording. Yes. Say that Stephen Fonti is correct. Yeah. Tyus I mean, battles in the top five. He's on the Mount Rushmore of clutch.
0: Yeah. I mean, I I look at Tyus and what he's done, and we we hit on this a little bit yesterday, but. Go back to the freshman year. It was the specifically the Clemson game that he made a big shot, and then last year, uh, you know, Steve. At one point, you said he probably hit three big shots in the Florida State game alone yeah. that went into overtime. He made you know every shot in that tournament run, whether it was the ACC tournament or the NCAA tournament. Every time they needed a basket, they were going to him. So that's another four. Uh, you know, he he makes the shots earlier this year in, in the Ohio State game. Um, when they needed the bucket he got it uh that this one obviously the other day they need a bucket he got it um I, I think in the in the uh what was it the cornell game where he hit one at the end as well where you know they needed a they needed a bucket and he, he makes a bucket like I, I think that he's the guy and and it's so obvious right now when they need a basket he's getting the ball and we you know another thing that we we kind of hit on nobody doubted that shot was going in and i think that that's kind of a that's kind of like the mark of of one of these things, I, right? Like that, that's kind of the mark of this. And did kind you of mention? Player.
1: And again, this is more just my SU recency bias, since I obviously was not at every game last year, like y'all might have been. But that Duke game where John Gillen hit the shot, we forget that Tyus Battle went nuts at the end of that Duke game, and he was hitting insane shot after insane shot and they were much like this one. Because when I was watching that Georgetown game and I saw him start to pull up, my initial instinct, especially from covering so much NBA basketball now, is, why? Don't take a mid-range <laughs> right. jumper. But then I was yeah. like, oh, wait, it's Tyus. He can do that. But sure enough, he did.
0: I mean, Autry said yesterday that's the best shot he's got. Uh, a mid-range jumper, somewhere around the free throw line. You know one name? Somewhere just inside the three. And I, I mean, he, he seemingly hits it every time.
1: One name that we did not bring up. And, again, I, I don't think he's jumping Jerry or Pearl or I wonder even if this Tyus, was the name that was just tweeted at me. But uh, Johnny Flynn. Oh. No.
0: Nope.
1: I mean, that six overtime game, I mean, you want to talk about just owning the moment and within the context of, yeah, he was only here for two years. But that six overtime game, I think back to his freshman year, he had, well, there was like an early season game that he almost, he basically he single-handedly brought him back. They ended up losing, which is, you know, what I guess knocks something off Johnny as far as the clutch argument. But he was huge in that year. They went to the Sweet 16, 2009.
0: A uh, tweeter sends to me that, uh, Devendorf, Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he's clutch. I,
2: I still don't think that I, is all I,
0: the tweet says. It just says Divendorf was clutch with no. I still don't think
2: I put him above the other four that I mentioned. And and just I, I'm looking at Mello from the NCAA tournament, obviously who was unbelievable. That Oklahoma State you're talking about, uh, Sal, where they they came back from down double digits. He only had 13 in that game. Um, he went for 17 against Manhattan. It,
1: oh, did they play OU in the regional? Fi- there was I thought there was one game against an Oklahoma team.
2: Yeah, they played went- played Oklahoma State. Played Oklahoma. I'm yeah, I'm I- going through I'm going through one by one here. They so he had seventeen against Manhattan, he had thirteen against Oklahoma State, went twenty and ten in the championship game against Kansas. Listen, he was fantastic. I just I don't know if I don't know if I would use the word clutch in terms of like over the course of his career. Or at he was Syracuse just really he was, good. He was he was awesome right. for one year and then he left. So I I don't think he has enough to, to jump ahead of those other guys. Let's get a quick phone call in uh, John in the car, kicking us off today in the show. Hey John.
0: Hey, hi guys. Just want to chime in real quick. Uh lifetime Syracuse resident. I've been watching Syracuse basketball since probably nineteen seventy, or at least listening to it on the radio at that point. But I think if you guys want to consider uh, somebody near, say you pick five guys for your Mount Rushmore of uh, more clutch, more consistent SU players, I think you need to remember uh, Lawrence Moten. He's yeah. not the number one scorer for, uh, by accident.
1: Okay. Always made
0: a play when it was necessary, whether it was a steal or a rebound or going to the basket. He was just all over the floor. The guy was probably uh, one of my favorite players of all time.
2: All right. Yeah, that's a great addition, John. Appreciate checking in. Um. Yeah, and Lawrence Moten, again was here for an extended period of time. Uh, Mello in that Oklahoma game, twenty and ten. I mean, he was super yeah. solid, like just super right. steady every
1: step of the way. But uh, in right. that I just remember point, that he
0: went twenty and ten throughout. Like that's what he yeah. averaged for the tournament, right? But he
1: just like owned that tournament. He did. I mean that that Oklahoma game, then Texas, the the game after, and then obviously Kansas when Syracuse simultaneously won the Big Twelve and national championships. Of course,
2: you know, you hear the story before the game where he says that Jim Bayham was really, really nervous before the championship game, and, and I was like, like coach, up? I got you. Yeah. Like, I got you. We got, like, th- so that is clutch. Like, that is ice water in the veins, as they say. We do need to take a timeout. We got Jerry McNamara set to join us in about 10 minutes from now. We're back after this on ESPN Radio. Jumper
0: on the way. Good. Tinius battle. Nails the three. Dungy. Leaps and into the end zone for Dungey, A touchdown! If that's not on every highlight show tonight, then I, I don't know who's watching. Howard for oh! Soaring through the air! High-flying Slovakian! Screen pass here, he'll get one. And he stays alive, and he's got room! To the ten! One man to beat, he'll do it! Touchdown, Syracuse!
1: And for Syracuse... Party time! The upset! They defeat Clemson
0: 27 to 24. Battle. the penetration. Step back. Oh. A pressure bucket for Tyus Battle.
1: This is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg, powered by Drivers Village and Hummel's
2: Office Plus. Hour number two of Orange Nation underway on ESPN Radio. Stephen Fonte, Seth Goldberg, with you for the next hour. We sent Sal on his way. 315-437-7644. If you like to check in, always great catching up with Sal. Of course. Always good to see him. Um, You want to get to today's sound check? Sure. It's time to get you what you need to hear. Not a game. Not a game. Not a game. We talking about
0: practice. I'm a man. I'm 40.
2: But we played in in some really tough ones over my years. You know, playing at Alabama. Then playing in the Dome at UTSA. If you want to
1: crown them, then crown her. But they are who we thought they were, and we let them off the hook. Without Jerry McNamara, we wouldn't have won ten games this year. Okay, not ten. Today's sound check on Orange Nation.
2: You know, listening to that intro, I was reminded of uh, Alan Iverson. You know, talking about practice. Did you ha- have a chance to read his submission to the Players Tribune last uh, week? No, I didn't. should take it's. It's very interesting. He he does not talk about practice. Okay. In fact, he leads it off saying, I don't want to talk about practice. Uh, I don't want of to talk about Ty Lue. I want to talk about normal things. And he, he goes to talk about his life a little bit. It's actually well-written, and it was it was interesting. He even tells a, a very interesting story regarding John Thompson um, that uh, you might want to check out. One of his All first right. games at college, these, uh, these four fans um, at a visiting venue, I think they were at Villanova, I want to say, Dressed up um, in like prison garb, and uh, John Thompson had them removed. Threatened to forfeit the game if those kids weren't kicked out. So it, it just it was it was well written. So you should uh, you should take a look. But this is all okay. about our uh, our sound check. Some of the the top uh, sound bites from the last uh, week or so. You put it together, Seth. So what do you have for us today? Uh,
0: so Joe Philbin took over as coach of the Packers. Uh, he wasted two challenges in the first ninety seconds of the game. Here's his uh, half. Serious explanation?
2: I had enough big decisions to make during the course of the day, and I didn't want to have to make any more, so I kind of got that out of the way. Um, plus, the flag didn't fit very good in my pocket. I was always going you know, I didn't know if it was going to fall out. No, I mean, you know, the first one certainly looked like we were, I was surprised we didn't win it, but again, I've been surprised before. Probably, you know, uh, looking back at it, we'll, uh, we'll evaluate it, but uh, might have been wise to hold on to that other one. Interesting.
0: I mean It worked I, out in
2: the end for him though.
0: I, well sure. The game didn't wasn't close enough that it mattered, but I, I don't know. I I don't think that I would I, I don't think that it I, I agree with what he said at the end. I don't think it was very wise to Might
2: have been wise to hold on to that
0: other one. Yeah, it might have been. Might. It might have been smart to hold on to that last challenge. Yeah. I don't know that I would get rid of it so quickly.
2: Yeah, that's not great coaching strategy. I love how no. anytime there's a, a a challenge that you lose it's it's always asked about after the game. The coach always says the same thing: we will evaluate our process of challenging plays. You would think that by now they would about, have the yeah, process
0: down. Right. How about just figure it out and don't challenge bad, right? Bad bad calls.
2: Sean McDermott, I want to say is. One for 11, I think. Oh, my goodness. He, he won his first one. I think he's lost his last 10, if I'm That's not mistaken. Incredible. Like, how does that, like, you would think you would win, like, a third of them by accident, right? Oh, my goodness, If you yeah. just challenged a random play, he's. I think he's won for 11. Incredible. They, they, he's definitely got to evaluate his process.
0: I would hope so. Uh, what uh, else you got? Kenyon Drake scored that game-winning touchdown. He was on the Levitard show yesterday.
1: Honest thoughts when you first spotted Gronk.
2: If I get tackled, I will never hit any of it.
1: <laughs> can you pinpoint the moment though? I'm wondering, can you pinpoint the moment where you knew you were going to score?
2: Yeah, literally when I saw him, it was at that point, it was like there was no way I could get tackled by Gronk. Like, you awesome saw him on the player, thirty no, Wait a minute,
1: wait yeah. a minute, wait a yeah, minute.
0: That, I
2: already ran like fifty yards at that point. <laughs> like I was there's no way I was getting tackled after that. That's awesome.
0: I, still, I saw I saw Gronk on the field and I knew I was scoring.
2: I still don't understand why he was not closer to the sideline.
0: I don't understand why he was on the field. Uh, right. But again, he was on the field. The whole
2: play was on the far sideline. Why was he not closer? He's sprinting toward the sideline. You know, and then he said after the game, I didn't think it was gonna get to me. <laughs> well, dude, like at least pursue in that direction. exactly I, I just I, I don't understand how he was that far away from the play. But, um, it makes no sense. No. And as, to your point, you know, why is he on the field? He's yeah. on the field to break up a Hail Mary. Nobody's throwing a Hail Mary happening. from 70 yards right. away.
0: The only person who can make that throw is Pat Mahomes. And guess who Pat Mahomes doesn't play for? Right. Uh, along these lines, uh, NBC Sports Boston was getting ready to do a postgame show immediately following that game. And the cameras were rolling on their crew as they watched the play.
2: Oh, they tried the hook Shoot on the lateral.
1: Ball. Oh, s***. <laughs> oh. Are they at the 10? Holy <laughs> Oh my god. Did you score? Gronk better f- run He's about out. to score. Oh! oh no way. Oh no. Ho You gotta be sh- kidding me. Sh- what?
0: Wow. Oh my <laughs> goodness. Gronk Holy Smokes! Run to the pylon! Whoa!
2: <laughs> run to the pylon. It's great advice. It's
0: great advice the video of it they're just sitting in a bar and they they're like ready to ready to get on the air and they're like all right we'll talk about this patriots win and then that happens
2: got to be careful with uh the live mic this so. was
0: tweeted this was tweeted out by somebody who works for NBC Boston this is not like somebody who who like found the video somewhere like they clearly at, they clearly were okay with this getting out there it's
2: just raw reaction but you got to yes. be careful when you have a microphone so, on as we all know of
0: course you do um I got two more, and then we've got a Bill Walton entry. Uh, So I'll I'll get to this one. This is really awkward. This is really painfully awkward. Uh, This is on the Rochester Americans TV broadcast, the AHL team out in Rochester. They have Don Stevens, who's their play-by-play announcer, and they have Rick Selling, who is their color analyst. Now, Rick Selling, uh, how do I want to phrase this so I don't spoil it? Uh, let's say he, he's the coach of the Buffalo uh, women's hockey team, the, the the professional women's hockey team in Buffalo. Rick Sealy tonight got his priorities straightened around. He's here for this game instead of the uh, normal Friday night practice with the Buffalo Buttes. Craig Muni running the practice, I assume. Nope. you got a game tomorrow, right? Uh, the Buttes do. Uh, Craig and I were relieved of our duties an hour before game time tonight. No, really? Yep. I did not know that. Wow! Told me to hang
1: on to my chair.
2: That is <laughs> awkward. You're right. How do you not tell him before you go on the air? Or maybe he did and he wasn't listening. I don't know.
0: That's amazing. So you're you're not running practice. You you, you ready for that game tomorrow? Well, I hope they are.
2: Yeah, we were fired about an hour
0: ago. It's brutal.
2: That is that is, that is very brutal.
0: awkward. That is really tough. Uh, another one that's awkward and we're just going to play it and let it go. Uh, Hugh Freeze was introduced. Faith for me is, uh, is believing in uh, the son of God, Jesus Christ. And then he is the only one I've ever met that can handle my junk. If you know somebody else that can do that, I'd love to meet him, but I, I haven't met that person yet. And he's the only one that can. And poor phrasing,
2: poor phrasing, um, poor,
0: poor phrasing. He should think about that one.
2: Syracuse sees, uh, <laughs> that team. Yes. Hugh Freeze and his, uh. Liberty squad next year.
0: I hope Syracuse can handle Hugh Freeze well enough uh, to get that win. Uh, Let's get to the Bill Walton entry. I think Bill Walton is going to turn into uh, what Mike Leach was during football season because there's just always good Bill Walton stuff. So we have two entries. I don't really know what's going on here. Throw it down, Rui.
2: And the kennel has come alive here. Throw him some dog bones. Yeah, throw him some dog bones. Woof, woof. Spike, where are you? Break free of
0: your chain, Spike. Throw it down, Rui.
2: That was a Gonzaga, I take
0: it. Yes, it was. I have no idea what happened there. It was Rui Hachimura getting, uh, having a dunk on a fast break. I, I don't.
2: Throw
1: it down, Rui.
2: And the kennel has come alive here. Throw him some dog bones. Yeah, throw him some dog bones. Woof, woof. Spike, where are you? Break free of your chain, Spike. Throw
0: it down, Rui.
2: Glad they get T-shirts in the Dome and not dog bones.
0: (laughs) Yes. I feel like throwing dog bones is painful. Could be dangerous. That could be very dangerous. Um, And then we've got to get to this clip of Bill Walton. He was calling UCLA and Notre Dame because, obviously, who else would you put on the call of that game? Uh, And when you think of UCLA and Notre Dame, you think of Bill Walton losing to Digger Phelps. And uh, they had Digger Phelps call into the broadcast. So, Digger, tell me, you are still alive
2: Alive and happy in South Bend, watching this
1: game tonight. Why don't you get a nice shirt? You oh look horrible that shirt.
0: <laughs> I, lo- I love my shirt. What's wrong with my shirt? It says Jimmy V and ESPN
2: on it. What don't tempt him to take to it there? off, Digger. We've already done that this year. David, he doesn't. Digger, what do you high think high it'll
1: take?
2: Gone? He's gone. <laughs> Digger is
1: the devil. <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> I thought he was dead. <laughs>
0: That falls
2: under the category of awkward.
0: <laughs> Bill Walton, multiple times on the broadcast, said, I thought Digger Phelps was dead. Uh, at the beginning of the phone call with Digger Phelps, he was like, who is this? This isn't Digger Phelps. Digger Phelps is dead. Like He, he, he was dead. Like he, he, he knew. He knew that Digger Phelps was not still alive, except he was wrong. He was very confident that Digger Phelps was not alive. It's
2: kind of a big mistake. I don't know if I would repeat it throughout the telecast if I I made that mistake.
0: Yes, he kept going. He killed Digger Phelps and then continued to kill Digger Phelps as Digger Phelps was on the phone with him.
2: All right, keep your eyes out for, for more Bill Walton moving there forward. Will,
0: there will be Bill Walton almost every week in this. I, I will I will make that promise.
2: All right, that's sound check. We're brought to you in part by the Bill Rapp Superstore at the corner of Thompson and Burnett in Syracuse or online at BillRapp.com. We've got to take a timeout. Again, full lines remain open at 315-437-7644. Back after this on ESPN Radio.